The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 186. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart, Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position was wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Allons-y! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da! She'll be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the fifth Doctor story, Earthshock. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hello, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Uh, folks, if you could, we would greatly appreciate it. It always helps us so much when you write in a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from, uh, those reviews are a key way of us getting new listeners and expanding the audience, uh, as well as when you share the podcast with your friends. If you have Doctor Who friends and you have not shared the secrets of Doctor Who with them, well, how can you call yourself a friend still? Come on, please share the podcast with your friends uh, and help us grow this community, which we have been uh, greatly expanding over the past. We've been doing this for like, Seven years, I think now, or six years, or something crazy like that. <laughs> I believe it's been that long. It's hard to believe. I was looking at some early episodes recently of our show, and it's just like, wow, that's that that was a long time ago. So, uh, and we've got a lot more to do. There's there's a lot of there's fifty plus years of Doctor Who out there. We need to you know keep going at it. So, uh, please please help folks discover this podcast and uh, and so that they can enjoy it too. So we are talking about an episode called Earthshock. And I know that both of you were greatly anticipating this. Fifth Doctor. That's right. Uh, aired in 1982, and his companions for now are Tegan, Nyssa, and Adric. And, and you were both very interested in this episode. Like, you were greatly anticipating right. it. I've right. not seen it before. And and we, we hid things about it from you deliberately for years. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. I guess that, that would, would be the, that'd be the good question is, were you spoiled by what happened in this episode? Without going into what it was. Yes. Yes. Because I went to tar- the TARDIS Wikia, as I always do in preparation. Oh, I we go told there you to not get... to do that. I know. We I warned you. <laughs> I know. It's, it's right there, like in the first paragraph of the Wikia. You, you know, the Wikia. Cheer. And that's why you watch oh. the episode, and then you go to the Wikia. I know. Well, no, I need to. Uh, yeah. I probably, you need to watch the episode, and then go to the Wikia. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was... Uh, uh, I was uh, uh, spoiled on that, but uh, it was still a good episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, also, well, we'll get into it. But why it may not have had the impact for me that it might have had for others, because partly because I'm watching everything out of order, right? So, so the, it doesn't have the same impact. But the, so the big surprise in this was that the Cybermen returned, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, well, <laughs> exactly. That was a surprise in it, but they—that's the end of episode one villain reveal. Yes. Yeah. Well, in fact, that that was a, apparently a. They went to great lengths to hide the fact that the Cybermen were going to be in this episode. All of the pre publicity, because you remember the old TV guide stuff or the Radio Times, which is what they have in the UK, they would have like upcoming episodes and they would list, you know, the the people who the characters are playing and stuff like this. And instead of Cyber Leader and Cyber Lieutenant, it just said Leader and Lieutenant. And uh, they didn't have a. Uh, preview of this episode either available mm-hmm. that showed the Cybermen also. And that's because it's been a long time since we've had Cybermen at right. this point, right? right? That's that's where yeah. they, uh, you know, they showed in the episode previous incarnations of the Doctor that had faced the Cybermen, you know, first Doctor, second Doctor, fourth Doctor. But the fourth Doctor was such a long period, and I, I want to say it was very early on in the fourth Doctor's run that he faced the yep. Cybermen and then never saw him again yeah. until this episode. He, he, in fact, we've reviewed the early episode where Tom Baker faced them. It was the Planet of Gold Voga 
thing mm-hmm. where they went down into Wookiee Hole Caverns and Elizabeth Sladen almost got swept over a waterfall. Yep. Yes. I don't recall if there's a later episode in the Tom Baker era with them. I don't believe so. I don't think there, so, no. I could be mistaken about that. But yeah, it had, it had been quite some time. And the Cybermen were not as regular in Classic Who as they are in modern Doctor Who. Right. right. They had appeared, you know, in the, at the very end of the first Doctor in his final adventure. And then they appeared some in the second Doctor. They were not at all in the third Doctor. Mm-hmm. And then, like, at least once, maybe only once in the fourth Doctor. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, they were. it's been a long time. We've actually seen all of those <laughs> and reviewed all of those yes. episodes of, uh, so far. So uh, that that's uh, interesting that we've we've actually been able to do that till we got to this. So let, let's talk about the episode itself. Uh, it, it starts in a quarry. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. The very first note I took, back on the planet of the rock quarries. Yep. <laughs> yeah. My first note is, oh, look, a quarry. <laughs> yeah. So At least this have... time they're not being shy of saying, oh, this is a foreign planet. No, it's a quarry on Earth where they found some caves. Yes, yes. For that's once, true. yeah. <laughs> what I found interesting, this is really Doctor Who does Alien, and mm-hmm. it happens in mm. different ways. In the first part of, so we've got four parts. The first two parts are set on Earth in the year 2526. So, oh yep. man, they just, it's like a year late. Otherwise, <laughs> in the year 2525. Have, in the year 2525, <laughs> the song by Zager and Evans. Yes. One Hit Wonders from the 60s. Yep. Now I'll have that running in my head. <laughs> uh, in, any, in any event, it's, it's, the first two parts are in this cave system on Earth, and then the second two parts are on a space freighter. And in the first two parts, we have them using a device that displays the location of people in the in the cave system as dots on a screen. Yep. And we see the dots tracking each other and hunting each other and it's very much like in the original movie Alien. Mhm. And people are getting killed and stuff and they're being picked off one by one and then or two by twos. And then when they get on the space freighter it's clearly the Nostromo. Mm-hmm. a surrogate for the right. Nostromo. We have a crew that is very mercenary and obsessed with getting their bonus at all costs, just like in Alien. And it, it is it is so tied into Alien that they actually used parts from the movie <laughs> Alien. Yes. The, the Cybermen have this cyberscope prop that is built from parts scavenged from the Nostromo. And the monitors in the bridge are from the Nostromo. Right. So, <laughs> right. Just because, you know, Alien was filmed in England. and But this is really, really reminiscent of Alien. And you've got them, you've got people walking around this massive industrial ship and things like that. Yeah. It, it really, like, yeah, and you have the soldiers and the whole thing, like, mm-hmm. the, just like in Aliens, the sequel. So maybe they picked that up. From from this, <laughs> they picked up these soldiers and aliens from this. Uh, so what we have, yeah, so we have this group of soldiers gather around this entrance to uh, a cave, and they have a an archaeologist with them, and something bad has happened to the archaeological team, uh, and only one managed to get out to get, and got help and came back with these soldiers, and that's what we have. And they have this scanner, like you mentioned, Jimmy, and it scans for life signs, heartbeats for mammals, for mammals. That's right, only mammals. Uh, very important. And so it is not finding any heartbeats in the cavern, so that means that they're probably dead. And so uh, they, they were looking for fossils down here in this cave. But the, they tell us that it only finds mammalian life. And then we see these dark figures. Faceless walking, figures. Fa- dark and faceless in bodysuits uh, walking around. You're like, oh, are they non-mammalian or something else? And finally, after a few minutes, it actually takes a while before this happens, we get to the TARDIS. And so now we have the Doctor talking to Adric on the TARDIS. And Adric is is acting all fed up. He's tired of everyone thinking he's a joke. He's a petulant teenager criticizing his father, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he, in fact, he throws something in the Doctor's face. I forget what, exactly what it is. And the Doctor says, that's oh. not fair. It, it, he, the Doctor promises to spend more time talking to him. And it's like, oh, just like you promised Tegan? And he's referring to the doctor promised to get Tegan home, and that right. hasn't happened yet. Right, right. And the, yeah, so the doctor says that's not fair, and Adric is, 
No, it never is when you're being criticized, is it? Just as it's never your fault when something goes wrong. I'm like, oh, man, this is this kid's like really begging for, uh, you know, <laughs> grounding yeah. or something. It, it's interesting. So we may as well go ahead and spoil what this episode is famous for, which right. is this is Adric's last episode and he going to die. Yeah. And this is this is not the first companion to die. There have been two companions who have died before now, uh, one both in the first doctor's time. One of them, and both in the same story, although it was a massive story. It was the uh, 12-part Dalek sure. master plan. And in that, uh, the Doctor lost his companion, Katrina, who was a young woman from Greco-Roman times that thought the Doctor was a god and the TARDIS was his celestial temple. <laughs> and she sacrificed herself by spacing herself in order to—she and a villain were in an airlock, and she she pushed the— Cycle button ah. um, in order to save everybody from the villain. And so she spaced herself. And then uh, also during the course of that story, the doctor picked up another companion named Sarah Kingdom, who at the end of the story with the Dalek time rotor thing going, she aged to death. Mm. Ah. So the doctor has lost companions before, but it has been a long time. That was... Right. Back in the first Doctor era, we're now in the fifth Doctor era. So we've had lots of companion departures. None of them have been deaths in that amount of time. Of course, if you go to New Who, well, actually, there's one more companion death also in the fifth Doctor's time. Chameleon, which <laughs> everybody hated, and so yeah. that was fine. But if you go to New Who, we have, they, they go companion death crazy mm -hmm. in New Who. You've got River Song dies, Clara dies, Bill dies, Astrid Peth dies, Adelaide Brooke kills herself, and even Canine Mark II dies. Well, dies is sort of a... Yeah, they I know, they walk some of those back. The, most still. of them, in fact. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stephen Moffat he hates killing people, but, uh, yeah. but he, just, he wants to have the emotional uh, resonance of it, but he doesn't well, want to, like go through with it well the, the thing with the thing with adric too is he was the first long-term companion who yes. dies yeah. all these other companions the other two were, weren't as as anywhere near as long as adric was with in the tardis right sarah kingdom was only with the doctor during the daleks master plan and katrina had been there for like one previous story and they right. quickly realized she's not working out adric is the first long-termer also but oh what i was going to say is you see them setting up a character arc between the Doctor and Adric in this story to try to give context emotionally for Adric's death. So here at the beginning in part one, the Doctor and Adric are both acting like pouty teenagers with each other. It's not <laughs> right. just Adric. The Doctor's being really immature, too. That's true. And, and they, like, storm off and can't be in each other's presence and stuff. Adric is like demanding to go back to eSpace where he's from, which is a pocket universe. But getting there is really hard. And Adric is saying, Oh, well, I've got the mathematical skill and the badge to prove it to yeah. um to plot the course. And the doctor is like, I'm not gonna stand around while you plot the course to your own destruction. And he storms <laughs> out of the TARDIS to go for a walk and cool down. Then in part two, and and you have um Nissa and Tegan being the grown-ups in the room. It's like, how yep. are we going to get these two back together? Well, in part two, the Doctor and Adric face a dramatic situation together, and they bond again. So now they're, they're being much more friendly. They've gotten over their tiff, and that puts them on the path for Adric dying right. and it having more meaningful consequences for the Doctor. You know, I, so, I, to la I have to laugh at uh, Tegan being the voice of reason to the Doctor. She's got the yeah. strongest temper of all of them. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> So was Adric at the time, and I don't know if you if you know this was was he as like was he like disliked by the fans? Was he criticized and, and everyone thinks he's a joke? I mean, I think today um, we look back at him as a Wesley character, you know, Wesley Crusher yeah. from Star Trek. Right. I don't know, Jimmy. Did, would, did, is it your sense that that was kind of how he was felt back then? I was young enough at the time that I didn't perceive Adric that way, but I think adult fans did. Uh, it, it, I mean, it could all just be everybody has collective hindsight. 
you know, on this, but the Adric character has been really problematic from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, they meant him to be this artful Dodger type character that would be endearing. And wow, is he not? He's like a little space brat in space pajamas. Well, and he, he's a <laughs> traitor all the time. I mean, he's constantly he's a traitor being a traitor the to the doctor. Yeah. In fact, there are Tom Baker episodes that we have not reviewed yet that you will look forward to seeing, Dom, where yeah. Adric is totally trading all over the place. Uh, I know. I've, we've, I've seen one of them so far, but yeah. The, 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 in, in the fifth Doctor time. Mm-hmm. And well, that's the thing is, is they, there was this tendency back in the eighties to have these precocious young geniuses show up, and and that tended to show up all the adults are in the room and and be better at everything than them, or to solve things for them, which I think producers thought made the show more uh, in- interesting for a younger audience. But you end up alienating the older audience yeah. that you've already got. So you mentioned that uh, the doctor goes for a, a walk to to cool off, and that's because not in space because they they actually land in the tunnels that these soldiers are searching in twenty five twenty six on Earth. So they the doctor and Nissa and Tegan is set, as soon as they walk out of the TARDIS, Adric stays inside to do his calculations into e space on paper. As soon on as a they little in a little notebook, yes, yeah. very yeah, exactly. They uh, as soon as they walk out of the TARDIS, they appear on these the scanner that's on the surface and the doctor because he has two heartbeats is recognized as an alien and that gets the this the head of the soldiers this unit of soldiers uh, uh, an officer named Scott that gets him immediately thinking that the doctor is somehow responsible for whatever's happened to the archaeologists or the so paleontologists there there's our standard doctor who trope the doctor walks into a problematic situation and is immediately blamed yep. as the source of the problem Right. A trope which will happen not just once, but twice in this serial. When they get to the space freighter, also it happens. <laughs> yes. He just has a tendency to walk and stand over the wrong thing at the wrong time. Yep. So the Doctor and Tegan and Nissa, they, they're looking at the fossils embedded in the wall and uh, discuss how successful dinosaurs were as a species, although many species. Yeah. Uh, but and, and how they died out virtually overnight. Uh, Let's put a pin in that. That's Chekhov's uh, massive destruction of an extinction, yeah, exactly. an extinct species. We'll, we'll, we'll be coming back to that. Um, so one of the soldiers gets injured in a rock fall. And meanwhile, these soldiers are laboriously making their way in, through these caves, uh, all the while being followed by these figures who don't show up on scanners. Although every once in a while, there's this blip on the scanner, this bright flare that is apparently these one of these creatures... Using its weapon or something. It's handgun. I love the androids have... What <laughs> yeah. they do is they hold their hand up towards you, palm forward, and yep. and there's a little hole in their palm that fires a bullet. So this is yes. a literal handgun. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the Autons, in, uh, I think, because they, they also had a handgun. But uh, theirs was more like their fingers dropped. Yeah, yeah, although that, there they point their fingers yes. at you. This is just palm forward. So... Uh, one of the soldiers gets injured in a rock fall and he has is, is sent back to the surface with another. And uh, Snyder is the guy on the surface, and he, uh, well, no, Snyder is the guy at the, is not the guy at the scanner. Snyder is this uh, other woman who stayed with them. She goes down to meet them, but she's killed and melted by the yeah. faceless body stalking people. These androids, and then the other two are killed too. So they're starting to get picked off one by one, sort of like in Aliens. And then uh, the doctor and the others are taken captive by the soldiers and accused of killing the original scientist, the paleontologist, while these fa- the androids continue to kill soldiers who are separated from the main group. And that's when Adric, who's on the TARDIS, hears an alarm. And I think that's because it's the, t- the TARDIS is detecting the androids? I guess there no, there's the androids are communicating with their unseen overlords who oh. at the end of the episode are revealed to be the Cybermen, and right. that's what uh, Adric picks up on. Okay. Well, in, the, in this cavern, now that the Doctor is being, in, in the, in the companions are being held at gunpoint, uh, they, they uh, find a hatch behind a rockfall, uh, but before they can open it, the two androids come rushing in, handguns blazing, and the Doctor identifies them as androids, and the androids... The androids scan the doctor, and we see who, now at this point who is controlling them. Cybermen, uh, mm-hmm. somewhere else, and the Cybermen 
I noticed that these Cybermen have much more human voices and inflections. Yes. Yep. Uh, uh, which is I greatly appreciate because like you can actually understand them. <laughs> they they also so in it, there are several good things about this model of Cybermen. I don't like them as much as the original Mondasian Cybermen, but mm-hmm. they have their suits are like they're silver, but they're mm-hmm. like made of plastic, and so they're they're body fitting. And they look like kind of like a, a a scuba diver suit, kind right. of like a wrinkly right. scuba diver suit. I've, so I've heard them compared to like flight suits as well. You know, flight suits. Yeah, yeah, flight suits would work. And so, so you get the sense there's a person in there. They're not like metallic suits of armor. And you can see the chins moving inside the transparent faceplate over the mouth. And right. then they have the more human voices, which have more human inflections, and they have disagreements with each other, and they'll be arguing about what's the best way to handle this. Mm-hmm. And they clearly, even though they deny having emotions, they clearly do. And right. <laughs> all of this makes it much more interesting to have the Cybermen in the story than if they're purely emotionless knights in suits of armor that, that could just be a robot and there's no body horror. Right. That's true. So meanwhile, Adric gets the drop on the androids from behind, and uh, which lets the soldiers destroy them. And that gives the doctor an opportunity to open this hatch that the androids were so interested in protecting. And they find a Cyberman bomb inside about to go off. So the that causes the doctor to run to the TARDIS to turn on the jammer stuff inside. Yeah. Uh, and then that, in order to give him time to disarm the bomb, which he and Adric do together and bond over. Yeah, I, I like at the beginning of this sequence where the doctor, they've, they've, the humans have burned a hole in the hatch and the doctor tries touching it. It's like, ouch, it's too hot. Yeah. But then he tells everyone to get back because the booby door may be trapped. <laughs> the, the door may be booby trapped. And Scott says to him, what about you? And he says, well, my arm is only this long and I can't get any further away as he reaches into it. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like awkward when I see someone reach an arm into an unknown space. It's like, oh. You can think of Flash, Flash Gordon where you had to stick your hand in that trunk and there's a creature there that bites you. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a particular kind of horror. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, I also like when they rush everybody into the TARDIS, which is they do they for once they're using the TARDIS not just as a means of transport, but as like a means of protection. And it's playing a greater role in the plot. It's like there's a bomb. Let's get everyone into the indestructible TARDIS. You know, yeah, (laughs) that makes sense. I like that they're doing that. Also, the situation is really dramatic as they're trying to deal with this bomb. And so you have the doctor and companions like springing into action and the humans are just along for the ride. And right. so they're, they come into the TARDIS and the doctor and companions are talking to each other so much and doing stuff so rapidly to try to deal with the bomb that the humans cannot rationally interrupt them to make comments yeah. about it being bigger on the inside. And so you <laughs> right. just get for once, you don't get comments. As soon as they walk in about it's bigger on the inside, you just see their eyes get really big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so once they do disarm it, the doctor is presented with c- the question, which is, why did someone plant a bomb in this particular cave, and why a bomb and not a missile or something else? If you because it's a big enough bomb that it would it it would kill everyone on Earth. I mean, it was it's a massive... or lot lots of people anyway. Yeah. 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 It, it, I mean, it, it, it's. it's... It's physically about the size of like an old eighties jukebox, uh, uh, boombox. Yes, but it's true. supposedly like this super mega bomb that destroy, like, will take a big chunk out of the Earth's surface or something. Right. It, you know, the budget only allowed for boombox size. That's yeah. <laughs> well, if it's an if it's got antimatter in there, it'll do the job. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, antimatter later is is going to be fun. Uh, so the meanwhile, yeah. the uh. The Cybermen review their surveillance files and recognize the TARDIS, and uh, this is where they, they see the the footage of from the first Doctor, Tenth Planet, the second Doctor, Wheel in Space, and the fourth Doctor, Revenge of the Cybermen, and not Wheel in Space. Uh, second was second Doctor Wheel in Space. Tomb of the, well, Tomb of the he, Cybermen. Yeah, it, also the Wheel in Space has the Cybermen. Okay, okay, that's what I, I got my notes mixed up. Uh, the TARDIS Wikia notes. <laughs> 
that they their files they've also previously encountered at this point uh the sixth doctor and seventh doctor but of course those actually haven't taken place at the time this was filmed so that couldn't be have been <laughs> they don't have that logically. footage their, their, their yes. TARDIS was broken and they couldn't go get the footage for that those two episodes yet <laughs> right i like how the cybermen piece together that it's the doctor they right. kind of fake fake the audience out at the end of episode one where on their cyberscope the doctor's face comes up and the cybermen say like destroy everybody or something and you think they've recognized the doctor at that point but they haven't Mm-hmm. They just they just know there are people down there messing with their bomb or who may mess with their bomb. And it's not until later that they see the TARDIS and then they go, oh, the doctor must be here. And then, OK, he's he's not one of these that we've just called up on the scanner. So he must have regenerated again. So they figure that out. And then they yep. start this process of elimination to figure out who it is and. Once the TARDIS is on the space freighter, Adric and the Doctor come out, and at one point the Cyber Junior guy says, "So which one is the Doctor?" And the Cyber Leader says, "It's it's Peter Davison because even in the face of death, he has the arrogance of a Time Lord." <laughs> <laughs> if the shoe fits. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. the so uh, in the cave, the Doctor is trying to like leave to go track down the source of the transmission that was controlling the uh, the androids and presumably the bomb um and and wants to leave the you know the the human soldiers behind but they insist on coming uh the, the coming along and so he he relents and lets them come come with him uh and then it, it's at this point that the doctor thanks Adric for his help and they have this reconciliation and then tells him he, uh, that he will try to help him get home to e-space uh Adric says oh i've i've already done the calculations but i really don't want to go i was just trying to make a point <laughs> <laughs> okay and, and and of course that is a poignant uh oh i d- i'm not really wanting to go so uh, that's designed to make us uh be all teary-eyed later on yep. so the uh the when the cybermen detect that the tardis is coming to this freighter they're not they're not dismayed they say oh excellent this is this will go well with our plan and you're like hey well, wait a minute that's not how that's supposed to work they're supposed to be afraid he's going to disrupt it uh meanwhile Back on the freighter, we have uh, the on the bridge of this ship. They, we have a man and a woman, these two crew members, discussing the fact that their captain has been away on this space station a long time, and they're waiting for her to get back. And that's when the TARDIS appears, and the Doctor and uh, Adric, I guess it's Doctor and Adric, go on a a recce, yeah. uh, as he says, a reconnaissance. Yeah. I one thing I like about so the crew, I like how mercenary they all are. In terms mm-hmm. of just, we really care about getting our bonus. Yep. And it's a little interesting about, they, they care about getting their bonus so much that getting back to Earth with their cargo takes priority in a timely manner, takes priority over the fact that like three crewmen have disappeared. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and deal with them later. <laughs> deal with that after we get our bonus, man. <laughs> the murder and bring in Lieutenant Columbo later, you know. <laughs> but Captain Beryl, uh, so they're, they're, the the leader is uh, a lady named Captain Briggs, played by the British actress Beryl Reed, who apparently was quite yep. well known at the time. And she is awesome. I just She's great. love Captain Briggs. <laughs> she is just no nonsense. We're doing this. She has this kind of she's she's grandmotherly in appearance, but not in attitude. No. <laughs> and and I just like how she's this grandmotherly figure. She really does look like she's got the grandmother haircut and everything from the 19, you know, that would be of mid 20th century British grandmother haircut and everything. Right. But she's like no nonsense. And so I really like her. I also like how the Cybermen betray their emotions by saying, like, the doctor must suffer for our past defeats. <laughs> it's like, anytime you're wanting someone to suffer because of your past defeats, that's an emotion guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so and the reason that they're, they're delayed from passing is that there's high security right now. and They're being inspected by Earth security uh, at a distance from Earth uh, because of this, this some kind of interstellar conference going on on Earth. But the ship is, has received clearance to go straight through and should not stop. So that's very important. And they'll lose their bonus if they uh, are delayed at all. So that gives us the dramatic tension for the rest of the story. 
So the the Doctor and Adric wander about. This is apparently a huge ship, um, yeah. and the the cyber leader tells whoever he who he has an inside man on the freighter that we'll find out later is the the, the guy from the bridge named Ringway, mm-hmm. and he tells him to to send patrols to find the Doctor and his companion and make them scapegoats for the disappearances of the other crew members. So that that's you know this is the dastardly plot of the Cybermen. So the the Doctor and Adric then hear like screams of of uh, two murdered crew members from a patrol, and as we've mentioned, Jimmy, they're this once again caught standing over the bodies. Yeah. Yep. And I like how they hang a lantern on it because Adric is like, Doctor, we've got to get out of here before we get blamed for this. And just at that moment, <laughs> someone comes up and blames them for it. And and the, but as he's about to blame them, the Doctor is like, You're right, Adric. We better get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> So there's, then there's this great bit of dialogue between the captain and Ringway, which really c- kind of shines a spotlight on a tendency in almost all sci-fi or, and even cop shows. Uh, Ringway uh, says to the captain of the communicator, I've apprehended two stowaways, Captain. And she says, apprehended? Why can't he just say caught? So melodramatic. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, one, one thing kinda, we didn't mention is when, when the captain first walks in, Ringway calls her mom. And she said, don't call yes. me mom. On the, it's Captain. Don't come yeah, mom on the bridge. It's Captain. So this is her son that she's berating. What? Oh, I know. I think take he called her way. Ma'am, Marm, Marm, which, which, yeah. or Ma'am. Uh, okay. But it uh, commonly pronounced Marm. But I, I like that headcanon. If he's her son, that makes it even better. Oh, he's even more of a of a of an <laughs> evil jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, and they've been yeah. teasing. There's also kind of a natural fit with him and the Cybermen because they've been teasing him about how stern he is all the time. He never lightens up, right? Yep. Uh, never, always be wary of the guy who's never lightened up. Maybe he's a secret Cyberman. So the uh, the Cybermen now discuss amongst themselves that the Doctor is a prisoner. That now that he's a prisoner, they have to secure the freighter. But the do- as you said, Jimmy, uh, the Doctor must be taken alive so he can suffer. Uh, which which is what will bring about their next defeat? They make they make the classic supervillain uh, uh, mistake, <laughs> which is let's keep our enemy alive so we can see our victory. No, no, just kill him. Just <laughs> just do him in. <and> yeah. Don't. <laughs> so the uh, doctor and Adric are questioned by the captain, and uh, as as they're being questioned, a massive electromagnetic field on board is detected. This is presumably the cyber leader uh, activating his personal guard of cyber soldier cybermen yeah and we see them because every episode with the cybermen in this era after tomb of the cybermen has to feature cybermen breaking through a barrier yes because that was the iconic image from tomb of the cybermen where they came out of their sleep chambers right so here we have these and they they do it two different ways in this episode when they wake up his personal guard we see them breaking out of plastic wrap And this is nowhere near as effective as it was in Tomb of the Cybermen, where there was like a plastic barrier that they tore their way through. Mm -hmm. This, it looks like they've just come from the factory shrink-wrapped, and they're breaking out of their own shrink-wrapped. It doesn't even look like that. It looks like they just took some plastic wrap or some plastic sheeting and just laid it over them, and they just kind of pulled it off. Like the Cybermen yeah. have is their cling wrap in back for the Cybermen is as bad as the cling wrap in the drawer in my kitchen right now. It doesn't stick to anything. Yeah, exactly. So I <laughs> I, I can sympathize. <laughs> that has a well, their cyber technology might be better than humans, but apparently their cling wrap isn't. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, speaking of Tomb of the Cybermen, that had a certain birthing quality to it, right? I mean, there was that yes. sense of this is just uh, you know I'm I'm unwrapping my package from Amazon. I mean it's really you know not <laughs> the same thing at all. But when they bust out of these tubes that they're these silos that they're being transported yeah. in, that's, that's the a, second much way they effective. do it later on. When yeah. it's going to turn out all of the cargo on this ship is actually Cybermen, unbeknownst to the crew, fifteen thousand of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, Lieutenant Scott, the the soldier, he he's still you know stomping around the TARDIS control room. He wants to go find the doctor, but Nyssa has this intuition that something's not right and they need to wait. So the, the captain refuses to stop the ship to investigate whatever's going on, because if they stop, they'll be boarded by security. And then she says, not only we lose our bonus, but we'll have to pay a fine because we're late. And so the doctor you know, then responds, whoever stowed away on the ship is using it to get to Earth to finish what they started with this bomb. 
and thus she is doing exactly what they want her to do. They've manipulated her. <laughs> She's not and good we, buying it. And we, we get some more clarity on exactly what the Cybermen's plot is. We get an answer to why a bomb rather than a missile. It's right. because Earth was is on red alert because there is a peace conference, as you mentioned, Dom, and there are heads of multiple different planets, presumably Earth colonies, that are meeting together to sign a pact to go to war against the cyber race. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the Cybermen want to disrupt the peace conference by killing all the presidents of these different planets, as if that won't yeah, yeah, exactly. Double human efforts to deal <laughs> with Cybermen. Well, if we kill all their leaders, they obviously can't go to war with us, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they planted a bomb that would kill large numbers of people on Earth, including presumably all the leaders, and then they have this invasion force on the freighter to mop up anybody who survives the bomb. But now that the doctor has defused the bomb, they have to come up with plan B. Yes. So... uh as the, the uh, I like this moment where uh, Lieutenant Scott and his soldiers are going to go find the doctor, by the way, and Tegan says, I'm going with you. But she stops and says, I need to change out of these impractical clothes and go and, and I'll switch clothes with the uh, the <laughs> the uh, paleontologist who, who survived and put on her, her jumpsuit. I, I just love the fact that she recognizes that she's been wearing this impractical set of clothing for a number of stories yeah. now. She's been running through forests and deserts and God knows what <laughs> else, but hey, now she needs to change when she's on a space freighter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. In her in her air hostess stewardess uniform. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I, I I found it a little impractical. It's like I'm gonna stop and change clothes in the middle of this emergency. <laughs> yeah. But there's a reason they get her into this much more drab set of coveralls and yeah. it's it's so that she can be ripley from alien mm. oh because my gosh, if you, right. you notice notice how they get her into it piece by piece first they get her into the into the drab overalls she's got the dark hair yep but then she she gets into the drab overalls then they get her a big gun in a little bit, <laughs> which she starts using i mean she cyber, she guns a cyberman right in the chest and on the ground and kills him and right. then they get her separated from the rest of the space soldiers, so she's alone on the huge industrial ship with her big gun and her Ripley overalls <laughs> looking for danger. You, you're totally right. This is totally an alien's ripoff. So, so I do like the fact that as they're sneaking through this massive ship, she starts complaining that it's so big that they'll never find the doctor. And Lieutenant Scott points out, you wanted to come. And she says, I know. I'm just a mouth on legs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the classic line. She often gets described that way. It's great to hear her say it. Yep. Yeah, I just thought that was funny. Self-realization there. So uh, the Cybermen start attacking the crewmen who had put up this barrier to prevent them from from getting at them. Um, and they shoot back ineffectively. Their weapons are useless against them. And I think there's a reason their weapons are useless against the Cybermen. It's because they fire candy stripe rays. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at the rays coming out of these things, and it's like, this is electronic candy canes, guys. And yeah. that candy canes aren't going to hurt anything as long as you're not in My Little Pony or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, this is where the doctor finally realizes that what they're up against is the Cybermen. He sees them on a screen, so he, he knows who they are. Uh, Ringway, the, the ship's officer who was complaining earlier, he comes back to the bridge and it turns out, like I said, he's the traitor working for the Cybermen. Uh, Adric, uh, realizing that who the Cybermen are and what they're allergic to, starts pulling his gold star off of his shirt, but Ringway stops him. Right. And the doctor, there's a nice little bit of dialogue here where the doctor, because Adric has never met the Cybermen before. Yeah. And the doctor, uh, is talking to, uh, Ringway, the traitor, or is talking about Ringway, the traitor, to the crew, and is like, "Oh, I wonder what they. I wonder what the Cybermen have have uh, paid you in. I bet it wasn't gold. They're kind of allergic to that. It clogs up their breathing things, doesn't it? Yeah. And and he's saying it in a in a way that sounds actually pretty natural, but Adric takes the hint. Yeah. Yeah. And starts taking off his gold star badge for mathematical excellence. Right, but uh, Ringway notices, and uh, it gets taken away from him. Uh, but they, and the uh, doctor, the doctor ends up with it, right? Because they, they they then overpower Ringway just as the Cybermen reach the bridge and they close the blast doors to the bridge. 
Um, <laughs> I do like, so Ringway is knocked out, but as he recovers, the captain says, oh, that's a pity. I'd compose a particularly nasty epitaph for you. <laughs> Again, she gets some great lines. I really, I really like the captain in this one. Uh, then uh, the Cybermen start cutting through the door to the bridge. So the Doctor comes up with a plan to use the antimatter containment technology of the ship. They don't use magnetic bottles, apparently, uh, but nope. but to stabilize the structure of the door. And and I, and I also like the fact that Adric just like bugging the Doctor in the midst of having to put this thing together. He's bugging the Doctor to explain the plan to him. Just explain it to me, really quick. I'm trying to save Earth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was back when they were defusing the bomb in the cave. It's like the Doctor and Adric are having this lengthy conversation about what's going on, and it's like Adric, shut your mouth and let him defuse the bomb. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So the meanwhile, Lieutenant Scott and his soldiers attack two Cybermen sentries, injuring them. One of them manages to get away, but Tegan, as as you mentioned, runs out to grab the other Cyberman's gun and. And shoots him while he's on the ground. Like, she's no mercy on this one. This is, uh, although I wonder if she realizes they're not just robots. That, that there's a part of probably the person in there. Probably not. Yeah, probably not, because they, they even refer to them. They say, what are those things, robots? And yeah. they assume, and then that, after that, they refer to them as robots, because the doctor's not there to tell them what they really are. By the way, I love the antimatter nonsense in this. The doctor... <laughs> on the bridge is saying how the antimatter, because it will annihilate if it comes into contact with normal matter, must be in a container that is, like, totally stable and inert. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so they've got a device that constantly readjusts the molecular structure of the containment box or whatever it yep. is holding the antimatter. And this is like, no, this would not work. Yeah, there's <laughs> magnetic bottles or go home, yep. <laughs> right? But nevertheless, it lets them do something really cool because as the Cybermen are melting the door with their thermal lance, which is a great name, <laughs> it gets to the point that they should be able to walk through the melted door, and as they do, the doctor uses the molecular rejigaming device to <laughs> stabilize the door yep. as a Cyberman is halfway through it. And so you get this Cyberman like frozen in carbonite there on the door. <laughs> and he stays yeah. there for the rest of the episode, which is great. Yeah, there's a there's a total again, this is is this is after Empire Strikes Back. So I'm thinking this must be an homage to Han Solo frozen in carbonite that year could be. So the uh, the Cybermen did a blow that just like forget it, forget about the thermal lance, just blow the door up, which is what they should have done in the first place is blow the door yeah. with the. They explosives. use a different door though. Yes, yep. uh, because their their guy is stuck in it, uh, and then they end up capturing everyone and kill Ringway, thinking that he deceived them about how many crewmen were actually aboard the freighter because the Scott and his soldiers are are running about doing things and. Ringway didn't know about it, and uh, so it's very interesting how they immediately think he's deceived them. But to what end? Like, like he he's obviously still on your side. He's still holding the captain. Well, the, the, the Cybermen would have just killed him anyways. It's just this was a good excuse to do it at that point. This is true. Uh, so the the Cybermen begin to the fifteen thousand Cybermen begin to emerge from their silos, which catches uh, Scott and Tegan and the soldiers unaware and surrounded. By uh, and, and and now it's just overwhelming. They were kind of holding their own and yeah. you know making a little progress against a handful of Cybermen, but there's just no way they're taking on fifteen thousand. Right, and this is where Tegan gets separated. So uh, mm -hmm. the, then the uh, the Doctor is at this point surmises that what the the Cybermen have done is turn the freighter into a flying bomb that they're going to fly yeah. it into Earth. They've decided they've decided to nine eleven Earth. So the yeah. uh, and that and then this is where they talk about the uh, the conference as the target. Tegan gets captured by a Cyberman and is carried off to to the bridge eventually. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, the fact that you have multiple heads of planets together to form a pact against the Cyber Empire means the Cyber Empire is perceived as a big threat, right? Mm -hmm. And in by humans, and therefore humans ought to recognize Cybermen when they see them. But nobody on the ship does. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's very interesting. Uh, if I headcanon that, they've been off on some space pickup freight mission for years or something. When all this came up, and they're so focused on their bonus, they didn't read the news. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, so Lieutenant Scott and his soldiers, they get back to the TARDIS, but as they go in, two Cybermen jump out and attack them and get inside the TARDIS. Uh, mm-hmm. And one gets killed, but the other is caught in the door uh, and manages mm-hmm. to kill this scientist, the, the uh, paleontologist Kyle, who, again, this is like the second time I've mentioned her. She really didn't have anything to do with this no. episode. She was their tour uh, so, guide at the beginning, and that was of yeah. the the serial, and that was about it. I mean, I feel she was there to donate her her smock to Tegan so yeah. she could be Ripley. I feel bad, like it's supposed to be this emotional resonance to this character getting killed, and there's nothing because you hardly know her. So, uh, so the the Cyberman that's caught in the door kills uh, Kyle, which is isn't there one of the characters on Alien named Kyle? I th- uh, maybe, mm. and then he's uh, killed himself, and. Uh, so the Scott and, and the others are with Nyssa on the, the TARDIS. The cyber leader discusses on the bridge how the doctor's feelings for his companions is, is a weakness he can exploit. And, he you know, he show, proves it by threatening Tegan and, and that sort of thing. I, I, I like how this gets introduced because they, the Cybermen have captured Tegan and brought her to the bridge. And this, as she's being brought in, the cyber leader says, who is this? And the doctor gets in front of Tegan and says, an earthling, no one of consequence. And Tegan says, thanks a lot. And he says, be quiet. <laughs> and I love this. This is, this is good. This is, for this era, playful sniping yep. between the doctor and Tegan works. And this goes by really fast, and both of the actors play it well. and so. It comes across as playful sniping as opposed to relentless bickering yep, that right. we have between the sixth doctor and Perry. Right. That's true. But yeah, it is. It has a very different feel. So the Cybermen start to uh, open an airlock to abandon ship because, of course, it's going to crash into Earth. And I, I guess they're just stepping out into space, uh, which, given I the fact that things I, in motion tend to stay in motion... <laughs> I, I thought they, now they, they, they had mentioned some. Well, they mentioned about a fleet coming to pick him up, but there must have been another ship involved somewhere, though they really don't show it. I guess, I guess, yeah, maybe there was a ship there because the because the cyber leader's plan is to take the TARDIS off yep. and watch the. But uh, I just I, I love this idea that they're all stepping out of the airlock and just floating next to the ship as it plunges into the atmosphere because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think of that. So the uh, they yeah the uh, the cyber leader takes the doctor and Tegan to the TARDIS. But orders the others to be, to stay on the bridge with the like the captain, the executive officer, and Adric to die uh, along with some sentries because they want to observe uh, how they die. That it's a way to observe their weakness uh, or whatever. Yeah, and why Adric? I mean, the, it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. He's well, willing to let the doctor take Tegan back to the TARDIS, but not the other companion. Well, he's taking Tegan because he uses her as leverage. Yep. So yeah, he only okay. needs one one leverage, I guess. I think that's yeah. what it is. So the, Tegan and the Doctor object, but Adric says, you know, t- convinces him to leave him that he'll find his own way, uh, which he won't. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, he will. It's just not a very long road ahead of him. <laughs> that's right, right. So as the uh, Doctor and the Cybermen arrive at the TARDIS, Scott and his soldiers, meanwhile, have gone around the other way to get to the bridge, and they disable the guards there. And then more Cybermen break out of silos and head toward the bridge. They're just, they, this is a never-ending... Uh, why are they still in the silos if they had to abandon ship? Uh, never mind. So, <laughs> Adric starts trying to disarm these navigational controls that have been locked by cyber technology. And he needs to solve three mathematical problems. <laughs> I just love this idea that it, it comes down to f- solving three math, math problems. I like how the, the first officer says, well, that could take forever. And Adric says, then I suggest we start at once. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, back on the TARDIS, Tegan's upset at having be, being forced to watch the destruction of her planet. And, uh, and in doing so, hits the TARDIS controls, <laughs> sending the TARDIS tumbling out of control uh, and send, sending the uh, freighter back in time uh, along with the TARDIS, but still heading yeah, toward it- Earth. And, and that's something that they had been warning about, that because of their hurry to get to Earth, they're kind of pushing their warp drive, and it could become unbalanced. Right. Which it then does, and so they start moving back in time. And at this point in the episode, we have we have a lot of intercutting going on. This is quite tense. I, yep. I noticed, like, for me, the first two parts of this, where, in, where they're in the caves— they're okay, but they're not that engaging. But once they get to the freighter, lots of stuff starts happening, and it gets yep. it 
gets progressively more intense. And at this point, we've got like intercutting between three different tense situations. We've got the situation on the bridge. We have ongoing battles with the Cybermen in the ship. And then we have the situation in the TARDIS, which is now dematerialized and is following the freighter with the Cybermen in control of the TARDIS. And on the bridge, Adric has managed to crack two of the math problems. The third is still the third one that he that he's working on. But the and, captain and, and, the, and yeah. because he's cracked the second one, they come out of the time warp and are now sixty five million years in the past. Right. Uh, ooh, I wonder what happened sixty five million years ago that we talked about at the beginning of this story. So the captain <laughs> and the others they they get into the the uh, well labeled escape pod at the back of the bridge, but Adric refuses, and at the last minute he jumps out. Because he realizes he can crack the last logic code and stop the freighter from hitting Earth. So this is when the Doctor realizes that they've traveled back in time 65 million years. And he hints about it to Tegan, saying, you know, think about it. Because the Cybermen have been gloating that, oh, this is great. We're going back in time now, so Earth's history will be forever altered, and this will be even better for us. Right. And, And Tegan is horrified at that. You know, and the doctor's like, no, 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 no. Think about this. We talked about this earlier. Actually, Earth's going to be just fine as this freighter hits it. Your history is going to unfold <laughs> exactly as it did. Right. We're in, in other words, we're in a bootstrap paradox. And as the doctor is suddenly declaring Earth is safe. We cut to Adric back in the control room of the bridge trying to solve the third logic problem, and we know he's not going to make it. Right. We know that he's not going to be able to solve that problem because the ship does hit Earth. So this is when Lieutenant Scott in the escape pod radios to the doctor that Adric is still on board. And so the doctor uses Adric's gold star. He, like, shoves it and crumbles it into the cyber leader's uh, front vent thingy, his breathing apparatus. But, but not before the cyber leader shoots up the control panel, which will prevent them from rescuing Adric, of course. Meanwhile, a, a lone Cyberman arrives on the bridge. Yeah. A lone Cyberman arrives <laughs> on the bridge and shoots up the control panel. Yeah. Oh, the doctor. The doctor also takes the Cyberman's gun after as he's staggering around, gasping. Oh yeah. And screaming from the uh, from the gold star. He takes this gun, puts it right up to his chest plate, and fires repeatedly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is he's really goes to town on him. And uh so yeah, it's too late. The freighter explodes. Adric is dead. Um, and we have a silent credits roll over Adric's crumbled star on the floor. Or is he um, dead? <laughs> well, Big finish, you never know. Yeah, well <laughs> actually there is a there is some big finish follow up on Adric. So there are a few, like in the sequence where Adric is trying to solve the third logic problem, he he keeps thinking he has it right, and it, it like two or three times, he thinks he's got it, and then it doesn't work, and then he thinks he's got it again, and it doesn't work. And then he's like, oh, of course. And at that moment, a wounded Cyberman who was on, still on the ship yep. shoots the control panel, so Adric cannot enter his new solution. And and he and as he sees the looming Earth coming up on the view screen in front of him, he says, "Now I'll never know if I was right." <laughs> it all comes back to the math, which is a nice line, you right? Know? And it's 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 fitting the character. It's fitting the character perfectly. That would be his last words. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and and we really do end with it. You know, like uh, boom, the freighter b- explodes. The doctor turns the skinner off, and we have. Tegan, like, Atric, Doctor, oh no, and then Nissa and Tegan cry on each other's shoulders, and that's it. Like, there's no mm-hmm. further exposition. They just roll credits, and, and, they, and it's silent and it's credits. roll credits, too. You know, usually in, in this season, this time, you know, they're they're showing the, 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 the names. Fading not, in and out. Yeah. They're fading in and out, and this is a roll, like, old school rolling credits. Right. Yeah. They, and there will be follow-up, obviously, on Adric's death at the beginning of the next episode, which is Time Flight. Yeah. the companions tegan and nissa do bring up hey doctor time machine you know let's go and and tegan even points out hey the freighter can still hit earth we just need to pop in and grab adric right 
Right. You know, it doesn't have to change history. And so the doctor is going to have to deal with that. Interesting. Uh, apparently, uh, there is uh, um, Matthew, uh, what's his name? Matthew Waterhouse. 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 It shows up in some form in the next episode. But yeah, as an image. Solely so that he could be in the credits, so that when people see, saw the credits before this episode aired, they wouldn't think, why isn't Matthew Waterhouse in Time yeah. Flight? <laughs> Another bit of uh, misdirection so that they can preserve yep. the, the surprise. Uh, gosh, in, in this age, with the age of the internet, there's no way to... <laughs> well, and it was it was interesting, too, I was reading on, on Taurus Wikia that there, they would have, like, a balcony where people could watch filming going on, watch them right. film these shows, and they shut that down completely for this serial. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they wouldn't... They, they just would not want to... And, and ostensibly it was so that people wouldn't see the Cybermen, but mm-hmm. also because they wouldn't see... Uh, the Matthew you know, Adric's demise. So, uh, oh, so any last notes on this? That's how the the is the serial ends. I, from my point of view, I thought this was well done. I actually mm-hmm. thought it was a, a, a good story. Mm-hmm. The pacing was good. We didn't have those long, drawn out filler moments. There was at least in the second two episodes. Uh, but uh, do you guys have any last notes, Father Corey? No, no. This is it, this is enjoyable to watch this episode again you know even with knowing kind of the history of it and you you can imagine what the reaction was like back in the day when when Adric all of a sudden was dead and that was it yeah jimmy yeah it was really dramatic i liked i like this as well i think it's a, even though it has flaws i think it's a well done story and it ramps up and you got lots of interesting stuff happening especially once they get to the space freighter i think adric's death is effective and the gold, the broken gold star against a black background for the and, and silent credits with no music. I mean, that's really that's poignant. Yeah, it really puts an exclamation point at the end of this, you know, dramatic death. Also, I like at the beginning of episode one when the Doctor and Adric are getting into um, e- each other's faces. The Doctor is telling Adric at the beginning of the conversation he really needs to read this book. And the book is Black Orchid, <laughs> which right. he was given at the end of the previous episode. It's like, Adric, this book is so awesome. The scholarship is so great. You should read this. <laughs> uh, there's also a famous speech by Peter Davison on the space freighter as they're talking to the cyber leader. Peter Davison is telling him because of his lack of emotions, he'll never know the simple pleasures in life like smelling a flower, watching a sunset, or eating a well-prepared meal. <laughs> and and that's always kind of struck fans and, and me as a little bit, okay, flower, check, sunset, check, standard tropes here. Well-prepared meal? <laughs> really? That's, that's the third thing? That's, 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 that's not one of the standards. Right. Uh, in this kind of speech. Also, the when the doctor is talking to Captain Briggs about the cyber leader, she asks if all of them are like this. And he tells her that the, this cyber leader is positively flippant compared to some of the others, which is true. He uses things like sarcasm and stuff. And, it, and the cyber leader reminded me of the lone cyberman. Yeah. Yes. He's because he's got these emotions and we understand his motives and he's much more human. And that makes him a much more interesting character. If I were showrunner on Doctor Who and had been saddled with this Cybermen don't have emotions, even though it makes them much more interesting characters thing, I would retcon that the way they did it for Vulcans in Star Trek and Mm -hmm. say Cybermen have emotions, but they're repressed in certain ways so that you don't have the body horror of what's happening to the people so they don't blow explode like they do in some new who episodes when they realize <laughs> what they are yeah so they have limited emotions but they do have emotions this we're emotionless is nonsense yep also uh i like the cybermen's giant silver moon boots that they're yes. all wearing mm. very 1980s and this episode has a huge body count with all of yes. the people who are dying between the geologists in the cave and the, the the space military people and the crewmen on the ship and the Cybermen and Adric. Yes, yes. The, the, 
They're, they get mo- everyone gets mown down. There's very few people left at the end. Like all the soldiers, there was a big squad of like thirty of them at the beginning, and by the end, there's like three left. Yeah, that's it. It's a it's a tough one. All right, so uh, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. And uh, as we do, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Nick W, Jimmy C, Ernie M, Clint V, and Allison H. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. What did you think of this fifth Doctor story, Earth Shock? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the sixth Doctor story, Timelash. Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the Secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, now I'll never know if I was right. This is going to be fun.